Hello, hello. You're listening to Power Banking, the podcast for women who work in male-dominated industries, which is just about every industry. I'm your host, Jacqueline Twilley, founder and president of ZeroGap.co. And for those of you who don't know, I am a latte lover. Let's dig into today's episode. What is a career strategy session? So a career strategy session is where I bring in a guest or you have me live and we talk about different things that we've done throughout our career. The career strategy sessions that I've been doing All of the videos are here on YouTube, but we're going to take it a step further. I'm going to change the format up a little bit. Based on your feedback, I'm going to be asking some very specific career questions so that you can get the most impact from every single career strategy session. Today's career strategy session, I will continue to do one of these a month where I answer your questions completely free. Just send them to me. You can send them here on the Google Plus page using the Q&A feature. You can also send them via Twitter, Instagram, I received some today, and even via email. So I'm here to help you grow in your career. I am on a mission to eliminate the gender pay gap. One of the ways that I'm going to do that is by giving women the confidence to be bold in their careers and to extra everything that they deserve, whether that's more responsibility at work or just opportunity to gain new skills. So let's get started here. I'm going to pull up my questions so that we can go through them because we only have 30 minutes. So our first question comes from one of our friends on Instagram, and her question is simple. It's, how do I find a mentor? All right, this is a great question. I'm going to give you several things. The first thing that I would recommend that you do is be very clear on what you want to accomplish. When you go to a mentor, you want to say to them, you know, these are my goals and I need guidance getting there. You don't go to a mentor to say, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. I just don't like my job. I don't like the current situation I'm in. And I need someone to figure that out for me. A mentor doesn't do that for you. In my book, I talk about mentors and coaches and sponsors and their responsibilities. I also have a podcast episode on that. So in that, you can get a lot of details on mentors and coaches. But to answer your question, how do you get a mentor? All right, here's what you do. You find out what you want to do. And then you go to someone and say, you know, you may have done this before, so I'm looking for your guidance. Because a mentor is someone who's been there, done that, and they can tell you what to do and what not to do. They help guide you along the way. So find someone that you admire in the field that you're in or the field that you're interested in being in and say to them, hey, can we sit down for coffee? I have two or three questions that I'd like to ask. And I'd also like to find out how you got to where you are today. That's one way to have the conversation. I don't suggest going to a person and saying, hey, will you be my mentor? Because being a mentor is a huge time commitment. And a lot of people are really busy. So they'll say out the gate, oh, I'm sorry, I just don't have time, which is understandable. So when you approach it as I have two or three questions that I want to ask you, and I want to find out how you got to where you are today, more people will be open to that. Suggest a coffee meeting early in the morning if you're in the same city. If not, a phone call, you know, right at the beginning of the day before they get super busy and hectic. 
So another resource that I recommend that you use is mentor.com. I've been a mentor on mentor.com before. I think it's a great resource and it can help a lot of people out. What you do is you fill out a profile and you're matched with someone and it sets terms for you that I recommend for any mentorship relationship. So in this, you say, we're going to meet once a month by phone for six months. After that, we'll evaluate it. That's one of the reasons why I like mentor.com. Another way that you can find a mentor is the Labo site, L-E-V-O, Labo League. There's mentors on there who answer questions for free. So you can have access to someone with a vast knowledge of a certain industry and they'll answer your questions. I think you have 140 characters to put your question in and they send a response back. So that's something that I would recommend that you check out as well. Levo.com, L-E-V-O. Now, another thing, you can have mentors that you don't talk to every day. Yes, it is true. I talked about this at the conference that I spoke at this weekend. One of my mentors is Kat Cole. I haven't met Kat and sat down with her face to face, but she does a lot of interviews and a lot of people write about her. So anytime she has an interview and I see it online, I make sure that I take the time to read it. So find someone that you admire and learn about them by watching YouTube videos, by reading articles that are posted about them online. And if they're on an interview online, Find those things. So, you know, every couple of months, I might Google Cat just to see if something new is up, and I'll read that as well. Cat Cole, for those of you who don't know, she's the group president of Focus Brands and the past president of Cinnabon. So I really, really admire a lot of things that she's done in her career. What I like most about Cat and why I like that she is my online mentor is that Cat says that if you have a problem in an organization, the people at the bottom, the people who are on the ground with the customers, those are the people who know what the problems are and how to solve them before the people at the top of the company. And I really admire her perspective on valuing everyone in the organization. So everyone is important to her. And that's one of the reasons why she is an online mentor to me. So I hope that answers your question. Definitely check out my podcast episode about mentors and read the book because there's a lot of great tips in that as well. So let's jump over to our next question. The next question is from Trina and she says, I'm trying to get over procrastination in the organization. All right, Trina, let's get into this. Procrastination and organization. First things first, you have to set clear priorities. What's most important to you? So what I would recommend that you do, Trina, is get a pen and a piece of paper. Sit down in a quiet place where you can be in, not interrupted for 10 to 15 minutes. A quiet place, okay? I want you to write down what's important to you in your career. And then on the other side of that same paper, I want you to write down what's important to you in your work life. So make those two lists, and then whichever list is heavier, where, what side do you have the most on, that shows you that that's a priority area. Then after that, what I want you to do is think about your actions every day. Do your actions match your priorities? If you say that work life is most important, are you going to work on time every day? Are you giving 110% every day that you go into your office? If you say that work home life is more important, are you spending just as many hours at home as you are, you know, at work, which, okay, let me back up for that, because you have to work at least 40 hours for most people, but are you putting your 
time at home to great use? Are you sitting down, you know, watching TV or on the internet? Whatever is most important to you, evaluate your actions because your actions should reflect your priorities. So when it comes to um, procrastinating an organization, what are you putting off, you know, and why are you putting it off? Ask yourself that. The last thing that you said, I need to do this, but you didn't do it, why? You know, you got to get to the root of it. Find out why you procrastinated. Is it because you're so tired from doing many, many things that you just crashed? You had every intention on doing it, but you fell asleep. Or is it just because you saw a TV show or you got distracted in Facebook going down a timeline and clicking on this and that? Or were you on Instagram, social media, you know? Or did you go to a friend's house? And you were only supposed to be there for maybe an hour and you stay for four hours. So ask yourself, why are you procrastinating? And then is that thing that you're procrastinating about, is it that important to you? Now, another thing with procrastination that I want everyone to think about is this. When you procrastinate and you figure out why and what's a priority for you, you also, you also should consider, you know, okay, let me take a step back and say, is this what I want to do? Or am I doing this because someone else is putting pressure on me? So that's what I have to say about procrastination, Trina. Let's hop over to organization. With organization, you have to run your day. You cannot let your day run you. That is a problem that I see a lot of people make not being organized. So for me, I have a day designer planner. I absolutely love the day designer. It's by Whitney English. There's a whole community around this planner. It's great. I'll actually show you how it's broken down by day month so this is like a monthly view where you list the major things for the month and this is the daily view of the day designer i'm going to get real close here so you can see it says you list your top three priorities under that you have today's schedule and then at the bottom it has a box for tonight it has a quote at the top. On the other side of the page, it has gratitude notes and what you should do for the next week. On the front side, I have my to-do list for the week. This is something that I recommend that you do if you're trying to get organized. In addition to using the planner, I also use an online feature. I use Google Calendar. So I sync everything in Google Calendar that's on my physical calendar. And I set a reminder to it so that I'm getting reminders, alerts popping up on my cell phone for things that are most important to me so that it keeps me on track being organized. Now, I just finished this great book, The Secret Magic of Tidying Up. And that book was phenomenal because it says take away all this junk in your space. It helps you stay organized because I'm not running around in the morning looking for my keys like, oh, I got to get out the house, but I don't know where my keys are. So that's one book that I would recommend for getting organized, not just like organizing career, but organized totally in your whole life. The Secret Magic of Tidying Up, it's a great book. So Trina, I hope that answers your questions. Let's hop over to our next question. Um, and it says, I have a problem delegating balancing work and life slash family time instead of always stuck at work. All right. This goes a little onto what I just talked about with Trina. This question comes from Carrie. So Carrie, again, I will make that list of what's most important to you. And then when you're at work, what I used to do when I was 
working over at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the way I started my day is I started it the day before. So Monday through Thursday, I set my timer 45 minutes before I was supposed to leave the office. I had an alert come up on Outlook that says plan day for tomorrow. So I would write down what I needed to do for the next day. On Fridays, I would go ahead and do it for Monday. When I got into the office, instead of immediately popping open my Outlook and getting into emails, I'd pull out my to-do list and I'd start working on that to-do list, getting as many things done as possible where I did not have to use email. Now, if I needed to to get into email for something, I would pull up a Word document, type out the email, and sit it there. And then when I open my email, I just copy and paste and send the email and put whatever attachments and sorts into that. So that's one of the ways that I stay organized. Because what with Outlook, what happens is you see that little thing pop up in the corner of your screen and you want to answer so many things right away. And that's kind of distracting. So I would say don't open Outlook first thing throughout the day. Another thing with Staying on task at work and getting out on time, you know, are you doing everything that you're supposed to be doing and are you delegating properly? Are there things that your team members could be doing but you're being selfish and you're holding on to things and you're keeping projects for yourself? So when you're at work and someone comes over to your desk to chit chat, how long are you chit chatting for? Are you spending 45 minutes to an hour catching up about the weekend or talking about the latest TV show from last night? Those are things that you need to consider. You have to maximize your time. Now, one thing I definitely recommend is taking a lunch break. I don't think that you should work through your lunch break. I think you need that time away from your desk to recharge and get ready for the afternoon part of your day. The second thing, when you're in meetings, how are you maximizing your time? Are you being fully present? Now, another thing about work, when you're at work, are you multitasking? Are you trying to do this, that, and something else at the same time? Because if so, that doesn't really maximize your time. You're distracted. If you're not giving 110% to the task at hand right in front of you, you're not emulating excellence. And I know I say that a lot, but I really believe that you should emulate excellence in everything that you do. So that is from the very beginning of starting your day and completing each task and being 100% in that moment, not giving it 10% and giving this task 50% because it helps you stay longer in the day. Now, one thing that I was known for when I was working full time, in the evenings I wrote my book, Navigating the Career Jungle. When it was time for me to go, I left. I was very intentional about every day at work. You know how when you're about to go on vacation, you get everything done before you leave for vacation. That's how I was working every day. And if you're having a problem with family and work-life balance and getting out of the office on time, that's something that I would stress that you do. Set your day up like it is the day before vacation so that you can maximize that entire day and get a lot of things done. So I hope that helps you, Carrie. And let me know, you know if you have any more questions. One book that I would recommend for you is Coming Up for Air. It's a book about work-life balance. And what I like about that book is it has exercises in the book to help you restructure your day so that you're not turning into a workaholic and neglecting your family life. So let me pull up the next one. The next one says, I need help with communication. Um, communicating with my supervisor about the task at work. All right. This is a big one. 
Joyce, let's get into this question. I'm sitting back on this because communication is key. Now, when you say communication, it can be a variety of things. One thing that I am spending a lot of time researching is personality styles because different personalities communicate differently. One thing that I have learned in my career, when you're communicating with someone else, try your best not to be offended by anyone. You know, sometimes someone can say something and you can say, oh, I'm offended by that and I'm offended by this, or they were rude to me. Sometimes people aren't being rude. They're not being offensive. They're just fast talkers and or that's their personality style. So you really gotta get to know them. So the first thing is first, I want you, if you haven't Joyce, to take a personality assessment, understand your own personality style because that goes a long way communicating with others. Now, I don't know if you're talking about written communication or oral, oral communication. I'm going to just give you some tips on both of them. And I'm checking the time here. Okay, we got about 10 minutes left. So, when it comes down to communication, make sure you get a good understanding. So if, if you're meeting face-to-face, -face, I would definitely say to that person, all right, this is, you know, my understanding of what we just discussed. Am I correct? That way you're on the same page at the meeting when you're walking out of the meeting. So if you have tasks to follow up on after that meeting, you're maximizing your time because you're not spending time trying to figure out, well, what do they really want? If in the meeting you are confused, that's your opportunity to say, okay, I'm a little unclear about this. Can you elaborate? Can you explain? Can you break it down for me? It's fine to say that. Okay, nobody's working for the lady in um, The Devil Wears Prada where she tells her intern or her assistant, don't ask me questions, bore someone else with that. You know, that's, I hope that that is not your reality at work. And if it is, if your supervisor won't allow you to ask those basic questions, then that's something that you really need to consider. Is this an environment where you can thrive and you want to be at? So along with that communication, making sure you get a clear understanding from the jump, that's one thing that I want you to practice. Another thing is I want you to practice being fully in the moment. A lot of times people have a gap in communicating because they're multitasking. They're in a meeting, a group meeting, and they're responding to an email. They have this in their hand and they're like, oh, an email came up and they're responding to it right away. If you're fully in the moment, and I talk about this in my book, that you, where you're participating in the conversation and you're engaged, you're less likely to zone out. You know what I mean? We all do it. We all zone out. You're less likely to zone out completely and then you'll be more in the moment and then that way it'll help you capture the information more accurately. Now, communicating written, whether this is an email, a memo, or a project that you're working on, Again, the first thing is make sure you have a good understanding of what's going on. When you're sending emails, you should read your emails and you should be able to say a person who is coming in day one, brand new to this organization or your company or your school, whatever it is that you do, that person should be able to pick up and say, okay, this is exactly what they mean. You need to break it down and be very clear in your instructions. I received an email from one of my partners a few weeks ago and it came from someone else that we work with. It and she said, hey, do you understand this email? The email was so vague, it was polite. It said, hey, you know, person, how are you doing? It said her name, but um, it's like, can you send me all of this? Thanks, uh, looking forward to it. And I couldn't figure it out and I work with them as well. So I followed up and I said, hey, can you elaborate? So when she elaborated, she was like, oh, we're working on a new project. 
and we need this information. And because you're one of our partners, you have this information. So can you send over this from these dates? And I'm like, oh, well, if she would have sent that the first time, you know, this could have been taken care of really, really quickly. It would have been done like that. So when you send an email to someone, make sure that you are sending a clear message so that you don't have to go back and re-explain things because you're not maximizing your time and you're wasting other people's time when you weren't clear. Now, if you're on the receiving end, if you're getting those emails like that, if you have an opportunity to stop by someone's office, if you work in the same building and say, hey, you know, I just wanted to clarify this, go ahead and stop by their office and talk to them about it. If you're not in the same office, call them really quickly so that you can get clarity because they may be away from their desk and you want to move on and complete a task quickly. So pick up the phone and say, hey, I received your email. I'm going to get this to you right away. I just have a few questions. That's a way to clear up communication and move smoothly through the process. So another thing that I want to tell you about communication is that when you're going back and forth with somebody, if you get emotional in the conversation, let's say you're upset about something, they're upset about something, I say take a step back. You know, we've all been told, don't react out of emotion. Don't say things when you're angry. So what I want you to do is if you're having a moment like that where you're deep into your feelings and you're upset and they're upset, take a break. Because when you're communicating like that, you're going against a brick wall. All right. So I hope that helps with your communication. If you have a more specific question for me, just shoot me a message and I'll address that as well. So we have about seven minutes left, and I have another question. It says, I'm trying to carve out the next step in my career. All right, great. I love this question. I believe that a lot of us millennials, we fail, fail to plan from day one. So I have a course that I teach. You took the job to get your foot in the door. Now what? That's one of the reasons why I love this topic. So all right, planning your career. Let's say you're already into it. You're not starting from day one. You're three years into it. You don't know the next step that you want to take. What I want you to do is pull out an organization chart. Most organizations have it. It's not just a list of who's the boss and who reports to who. This is a very valuable tool because it tells you the different segments of the organization. So whether you're looking to stay in your organization or you're looking to move on, start with this organization chart for the company that you have. It's a good practice exercise, especially if you're looking to move to a different company. What you want to do is you want to pull that out and look at it. And I'm going to draw a quick little thing here on a piece of paper because it'll help me illustrate just a little better. And this isn't a real one. This is like a pretend just so that I can show you a few things. All right. So we have this here. This is my upside down organization chart. You can put it whatever way. When you look at your organization, you should be able to say this department does this, this department does this, this department does this. It's all one big pie, um, different pieces to a puzzle. Find out how you contribute to that piece of the pie. And then think about what are you interested in. So jot down those things that you do that people come to you for often. When people say, oh, go to her or go to him, they can do that really easy. And if they don't know what to do, they know who can solve that problem. So 
write down those things that you're good at that people know you for. What are you an expert in? If you're not an expert in anything, you need to find what gets you so fired up you can't shut up about it at work, and that's what you become an expert in, okay? So that's our first step. Look at the organization chart. Map out the organization. Two, write down all of your interests. What are you an expert in? If you're not an expert, find that thing that gets you so fired up and that and study that area become an expert in that all right so now we have that now look at this organization chart again and think where can i fit in within this organization if there's no position for what you want to do think about how that fits into the company's goals if you don't know your company's mission statement like off the top of your head where you can rattle it off at any time of the day you need to know it because that is your driving force that's why you get paid you're there to help push the company closer to their mission so figure out the company's mission if you don't know it but then when you're looking at your interests and this organization chart Find out how you fit into that picture and find out how you can solve a problem for the company. So maybe it's in your current role, but you're doing a little bit more, or maybe it's in a different group. This is going to help you kind of map out and start to say, okay, this is kind of where I want to go. This is the direction that I want to go in. Then head over to LinkedIn. I know this is a lot of steps. A replay of this video is going to be available so you can watch it later. When you go over to LinkedIn, type in the title that of the position that you want to be in and look at the career path of people who are successful people who are crushing it in this industry look at some of the things that they did you know what do they have a degree in are they a member of a professional association if they are what committees are they involved in have they won any awards what college did they go to what certifications do they have be a student of the game find out what the most successful people in your industry are doing the most successful people doing what you want to do find out what they did to get there and like I said earlier when I answered the mentorship question from the person who submitted the question via Instagram what I want you to do is you know watch videos on YouTube read articles about them and if you have an opportunity to meet with this person face to face schedule a coffee meeting with them where you can ask them your top two or three questions all right so once you get that you'll get a better idea of what it takes to be in this position yes it takes time this is not an overnight process this is not magic it takes work so I want you to be very clear on that when you're crafting out your next move it does take work now once you figure out exactly what you want to do and what area you want to be in if you're staying within your organization go ahead and update your resume if you're leaving your organization and you're gonna look for jobs outside of the current company that you work for go ahead and update your resume as well you want to make sure that your resume has your successes and not just your duties, okay? So we'll talk about resumes at another career strategy session. Once you have your resume updated, your LinkedIn profile is updated, go ahead and talk to your supervisor. Oh, one quick thing, when you're updating your LinkedIn profile, make sure you turn off the notifications so that people aren't getting constant updates every time you update your LinkedIn profile. I recommend turning it off altogether, all right? so. Once you have this updated, go to your supervisor if you're staying within the company and say, I'm interested in this position and be vocal with them because if you go ahead and you start applying for positions internally inside of the company that you work for, they're gonna go ahead and ask your supervisor about your work ethic and how you've been performing anyway. So you wanna be the person to have that conversation versus the other way around. Now, if you're looking externally, you don't have to have this conversation with your supervisor. We all know how that works when you're looking for a job. I'll out of the company you have to be a little bit more discreet with it okay 
So we want to take it a step further from that. And once you have that conversation and you're really clear, you want to be intentional about the jobs that you apply to. So read those job positions very thoroughly. It's like you're studying for a test. You want to look at it completely. You want to find out how you can bring value to this. Make sure that your resume says why you're qualified to do it. It doesn't explicitly have to say word for word, but you do want to have keywords in there. And I talk about keywords in the book. What you want to do if you don't have this 100% direct experience to a position that you want to be in, you want to tell the story in your resume of why what you've done that makes you qualify for this. So if you've done several tasks in your job, your current role, but it's worded differently for another position that you're applying to, the only thing that you need to do is say I've done this this and this and tie it in tell that story of how it relates and why you're a good person for that position when you write your cover letter you want to keep it short and sweet nobody reads a three-page cover letter that's crazy so in your cover letter you want to say I'm interested in this and tell that story maybe you say you know in 2009 I worked in this position and I learned these things and as I was working in this position I became very interested in this so I studied this and I became an expert in that now the position that I'm applying for it has XYZ skills and because I gained all of these skills starting from 2009 I'm qualified for this you want to be really clear in your story in your cover letter then you want to make sure you back it up with your resume when you update your resume you also want to make sure that your LinkedIn profile backs it up as well because these all th three things are very related to each other so if you have one thing on your resume and that's not on your LinkedIn profile that's a red flag and somebody's gonna say well are they telling the truth or not so just be very clear on that anytime you apply for a job you want to keep in mind to have your LinkedIn profile updated in the way that if you're applying applying for different positions someone can still look at your LinkedIn profile and say yes this person is legit and they have this experience one of the ways that you can have that variety of experience on your LinkedIn profile is by getting people to write recommendations for you so there's a little tool on LinkedIn that says recommend me you can send a message to someone that you've worked with whether it's a colleague supervisor or client and say hey can you write about my experience working with you at XYZ that's one of the great ways where you can add more um, flavor and shebang to your LinkedIn profile and it also back up what you've done when you're applying to multiple jobs so we are a little bit over I'm sorry we're going over today I normally keep it right at 30 minutes but I wanted to answer all of your questions one last thing for making a career move anytime you start a new job I recommend everyone download the Harvard Business Review first 90 days app there's also a first 90 days book that really helps you carve out your strategy for when you first get into the job so I didn't get way too into detail about how to make your next career move so I'll podcast about that so I can take it a step further and do a whole episode dedicated to that if you have any questions at all before if you know a woman who would be a great guest for power banking drop us a note into the power banking facebook group and we will reach out to her to get her on the show